Hello and welcome to Axles in the Attic. This is a six-part series on some of the most interesting and fascinating untold stories from skating history. And my lovely co-host for this series and this episode is from the Manly Woman Skate Cast, Allison Manley. Hi, Allison. How are you today? Good, Ryan. Thank you so much for letting me join you on this wonderful series. I'm so excited. I am, too. I think it's going to be so much fun to kind of explore some really interesting uh, stories that I guarantee that most of you wouldn't have a clue about, and that's the beauty of unearthing these these fun little tales. And the first one that we're going to delve into is going to be South American skating history. South America. Woo! I know. And it's certainly a part of the world that no one probably thinks that there is much history in terms of, you know, going way back with figure skating. But it goes back a lot farther than people would think. So I think it's going to be pretty interesting. All right. So let's get started. And we're going to start by saying that, um, well, I'm going to start by saying that I promise you that the history of ice skating in South America is not only a fascinating tale, but one that takes us back in the time machine much further than many would suppose. Well, we'll start by revisiting the story of the continent's first Olympic figure skater, Horacio Tertuliano Tarome. And born in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil in 1861 to an Argentine father and a Brazilian mother, Horacio emigrated to Great Britain with his family and took up figure skating. In 1902, he almost won a medal at the World Figure Skating Championships in London, England, but dropped from third place after the school figures to finish fourth in free skating and just off the podium underneath Ulrich Salkow, Madge Sires, and Germany's Martin Gordan. In 1905 and 1906, Tarome would compete at the British Figure Skating Championships and win the men's competition, which wasn't technically a men's competition as female skaters contested the men for the men's title until they were finally given their own competition in 1927. A 46-year-old Tarome qualified to compete as a representative of Great Britain at the 1908 Olympic Summer Games and almost did, but instead opted to represent his father's home country of Argentina. He was the only athlete in any sport to represent Argentina at those games. And in the more than 100 years and counting uh, in the Olympic Games since then, there still hasn't been another figure skater from Argentina to compete. Although he would finish seventh of the seven men, so that's last place at those games, uh, Jerome would also judge the Paris figure skating competition at the same Olympics. And I know what you're thinking. He didn't skate in South America, so it doesn't count. It wasn't long before people were at all. Yeah, it's hard to believe, you know, he was representing Great Britain. Do you have any history on that? Well, it, I think it, it all boiled down to the fact that he was uh, – that he that he moved there because of his family, and he actually I actually there actually is a blog already on Skateguard that takes a look at his story and expands it on a little bit more. So I'll link to that blog so you can learn a little bit more about his story specifically. 
in the show notes for this episode. Perfect. Well, continuing this amazing story, in the late 19th century and early 20th century, the lifestyle of high society in Buenos Aires, Argentina, began to really echo that of Europe more and more. In 1910, Joseph King, a Briton living in the city, built the opulent Belle-Epoque-style Palais de Glace on land provided the city and opened the space as South America's very first ice rink. The venue is still operational today for trade shows and exhibitions and explains its early skating days as such on its website. Quote, modeled on the Paris Palais de Glace, the skating rink round occupied the central hall and the surrounding boxes and lounges gatherings were distributed. In the basement of the building, machines manufactured ice that supplied the track were installed, and the first new floor boxes, confectionery, and a body-completed facilities with a vaulted ceiling culminating in a dome with a large central skylight that even today preserves, designed to give natural light to the rink. Halfway through the 1910s, with ice skating less and less in vogue, the Palais de Glace became an elegant ballroom with an oak floor to welcome the new ambassador of civic culture in Buenos Aires, Tango, end quote. The actual year of the Palais de Glace's transition from ice rink to ballroom was 1915, and it was in the venue that Porteno trendsetter Baron de Marchi staged tango soirees, staged tango soirees there in the 1920s, after which the dance was accepted by local high society. Isn't that cool? You know, I, I think it's incredibly cool that a rink, first of all, I think it's incredibly cool that in that, in that time period there was a rink in Argentina of all places, which I don't think many people would know at all. But on top of it, when the skating became, skating became out of vogue, the tango uh, really picked up steam there. And... I, I think it's pretty interesting that even today the tango is such a big dancing. So it's kind of a neat little connection. It is a neat connection. And it shocks me, actually, that tango only back in the 1910s became the ambassador of civic culture. I, I, I don't know if I ever thought about when tango sort of became associated with Argentina, but I, thought it, I would have thought it would have started much earlier than that. I would, too. I definitely would have too. So that is very interesting. I mean, you, I think you always think of you think of South America, you think tango, you think samba. So it's and you, and you think that it always was that way. So it's interesting to see that that that, was, that, that like skating was a trend and something that really <laughs> picked up steam along the way. <laughs> and and, um, and skating almost predated the tango in, in as far as popularity. <laughs> it did. It did. It did. Pretty cool. Um, All right. All right, so although skating didn't catch on at South America at first, it enjoyed a surge of popularity in the early 40s in both Brazil and Argentina. Here's a fun fact. Ice dancing pioneer Muriel Kay tells us in her book Origins of Ice Dance Music about a rumored South American Sonia Hennepin. Mm. Sonia Hennepin was, I know, she's everywhere. <laughs> she is everywhere. She is. She's been around. Uh, Sonia Henny was credited with playing a part in bringing Carmen. I know you hate Carmen, but it's not that Carmen. It's Carmen Miranda. I do love Carmen yeah. Miranda. <laughs> yeah, well, who doesn't love a good fruit hat? You can't go wrong. Um, 
And according to some versions, and there are several, of the discovery of the Brazilian bombshell, Sonia Henney, in the company of Broadway producer Lee Schubert, saw Carmen Miranda's show at Casino da Urca while on a short visit to Rio in February 1939. And realizing the U.S. the U.S. showbiz potential of the entertainer, pressured Schubert to give her a contract. Reportedly, Sonia even wore to a shipboard party a costume that Carmen Miranda had given her. And Sonia was not the only skater to be taken by the samba. In 1941, Guy Owens and Maribel Vincent Owens starred in the continent's first ice show in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Their show was well-received, and upon returning to North America, they actually debuted an early ice interpretation of the samba dance, and Guy Owen even performed a popular solo act as a gaucho. Gaucho. You know, it's, know. it's so... <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's so fascinating because Sonia Henney, of course, if you look at some old pictures of her, she does wear a Carmen Merhat in some of her numbers. Yes. I know. So. so it doesn't seem like it's that much. And you know what? They would have traveled in the same social circles. It does, you know, they could have easily, at least. That that doesn't seem like a stretch to me. Could be true. Nope. Could be true. I, I buy it. Could be I'm true. Gonna, I'm, going to, I'm going to personally accept it as fact. How's that? I'm going to accept it as fact, <laughs> too, just because I I like the idea of Carmen Miranda and Sonia Henny hanging out with fruit hats on. I think it's fabulous. I think it's fabulous, too. <laughs> well, continue, well, continuing on, in Buenos Aires. The cl- I'm going to butcher this. I'm sorry. But oh, we're going to butcher all kinds of these. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, all right. Here we go. That same year in Buenos Aires, the club na- Gymnasia y Esgrima, that's my best attempt, opened an ice rink. <laughs> it was so popular that between six and 700 people skated there daily, and the club had a waiting list of 8,000. That's astronomical. It is. The, it is. It is. The October 8, 1935 edition of the Glasgow Herald explained that this club, inspired by Dr. Aldao, one of the most public-spirited citizens of Buenos Aires, and financed out of unclaimed lottery prizes, provides for thousands of the young people of that great city a center of healthy social life at nominal subscription. Essentially, Argentina's answer to the YMCA Ice skating for the time was an incredibly popular activity. 1936 British professional champion Barbara Wright Sawyer and Swiss champion Lucien Buller both taught at the club Gymnasia y Escrima using the United States Figure Skating Association's rule book as a guide as the country had no established skating federation or teaching program. That's pretty thrifty. It's pretty tricky. You do what you have to do. And, it, and I'm sure it wasn't the only country that, you know, that, that was using whatever rule book they, can fi- they could find at the time, you know, especially in, in developing skating countries. So that makes sense. But I can't get over a waiting list of 8,000. I mean, that, that's a long lineup. I hope that's they have a long time. <laughs> You're going to be waiting a long time. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, and speaking of the 40s, one of the skatings of the era, of the era had a South American skating connection as well. Um, Belita, Belita Jepson Turner, whose story we looked at on the blog back in um, August 2013, got her first name from the Argentinian side of her family. 
The June 15, 1946 issue of the Milwaukee Journal explains that, quote, her great-grandfather, Charles Drabble, went from England to Argentina in a sailing ship and was one of a few of Englishmen who played an important part in the development of that country. Acquiring thousands of acres of land in the vicinity of Buenos Aires, he established five great Estancias ranches, mainly devoted to the raising of cattle. He built his own railroads to these properties, established his own bank in the capital, and later started a great frozen meat company. <laughs> One of the Estancias and its terminal railroad station is called La Bolita. The firm of Drabble Brothers is now one of the great commercial firm, firms of the Argentine. Wow. Yeah. So Cheating is everywhere. <laughs> I know. That's what I've learned, especially when writing this one. Yeah. <laughs> well, by the 50s and 60s, the great touring companies of the era, like Holiday on Ice, we're heading to South America gypsy style with ice-making supplies, large ensemble casts, stout cows, and stilt skates. And I know this from when I interviewed a lot of the ice capades people a couple years ago. They yeah. talked about the South America trip. I remember, I remember that episode. I remember that episode. And I love that one, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, in addition to shows in Brazil and Argentina, figure skating was exposed to the people of Nicaragua, Ecuador, and Colombia. The famous Argentine quintuplets, they were named Carlos Alberto, Maria Esther, Marla Fernanda, Maria Cristina, and Franco Diligenti even had a skating connection. I'm going to have to look them up a little more, Ryan, I admit. I don't know much about the famous Argentine quintuplets. <laughs> I, I know a little bit, but continue. I'll tell you the second. Okay. All right, good. You'll fill me in. The May 9th, 1955 edition of the day noted that the family lived in a palatial home, which has 19 rooms, tennis court, a swimming pool, and a skating rink. <laughs> <laughs> um, they were, they, in the article that I actually read about them, there was an adorable picture. I'll have to post that. Um, they, there were, I guess there, were, there was a set of quintuplet, quintuplets or uh, quadruplets that were from the States at that point in time. And they were, and, I, and of course I can't remember their name now, but I'm sure people will know um, that were around back in those days. And they were really, really famous. Yeah. So they compared, I guess they were like, they were Argentina's answer to them. So basically, you know, Argentina's answer to 19 kids and counting probably today. But, <laughs> um, all right. So uh, popularity of skating in South America waned in the 70s, but in the 80s made a bit of a resurgence. Deidre Ball and Hans Hofer's 1988 travel publication, Argentina, explained that ice skating has become the latest form of entertainment for young and old alike. You'll be able to find ice skating rinks all over Buenos Aires and in most of the major cities of the provinces. However, there was a big difference between skating as recreation and skating as a competitive sport. And it wouldn't be until the 21st century that the country would start fielding competitors in international events, when in 2002, the Confederacio Brasileira de Desportos Nongelo, see, I butchered that too, I know I did, um, <laughs> became a member of the ISU and was followed closely behind two years later by the Federación uh, Argentina de Patinar Sobre Hielo. Oh, they all started falling like dominoes. They all got, 
I know, I know. All two of them. <laughs> <laughs> All two of them. I know. Well, you know, you got to start somewhere. You do. So today, skaters like Isadora Williams and Dennis Margalik are representing South America with pride in international competitions. Just as Horatio Tertulliano Torome was Argentina's first, and to this date still the only Olympic figure skater back in 1908, Isadora Williams earned her place in the history books as Brazil's first Olympic skater in 2014. Figure skating may still not be as developed as in other parts of the world, but today Santiago Chile's Parque Aruco Mall plays host to an ice rink. Colombia's Los Yarumos 53-hectare nature park offers horseback riding, Barranquismo, which is rappelling through a waterfall, and seasonal ice skating. You can do paragraph double threes in Peru at the Mini Mundo in Lima's Jesus Maria District or execute brackets on Bolivia's synthetic extra ice rink in La Paz. Every loop and lutz that you do would only be adding to the continent's unique skating history. Well, I hope you enjoyed this little trip back in South American skating history as much as we did. Uh, it was certainly um, lots of unexpected info in there, and it, it's certainly interesting to see that parts of a parts of the world, even a whole continent, which we would assume just doesn't have that rich skating history like other, you know, like Europe or North America would, still has some pretty interesting stories. So I really enjoyed that one. And thank you again, Allison, for joining me. And Thank you so much. You are welcome.